Chapter twenty nine of From Bangkok to Bombay Siam, French Indochina, Burma, Hindustan by Frank G. Carpenter. This recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Betty B. The Towers of Silence on Malabar Hill. On Malabar Hill, five miles away from downtown Bombay, are the finest homes of the city. The Britisher living in India wants nothing better than a bungalow on this palm clad ridge cooled by the winds from the arabian sea and yet the blue sky overhead is full of vultures and any morning he may find on his veranda the finger bone of a baby or a man's big toe which some carrion bird has dropped there in its flight for here also are the parsee towers of silence upon which the fire worshippers of india lay the naked bodies of their dead to be eaten by the fowls of the air of all the religions of this land of religions it seems to me that in many respects the faith of these parsees is the strangest their name meaning persians is derived from the fact that in the eighth century they fled from persia which was then overrun by the conquering moslem arabs and came down to sanhan about sixty miles north of bombay here they were kindly received by the hindus from their home country they brought the beliefs of zoroaster to which with modifications they have clung ever since zoroastrianism was the religion of the wise men who followed the star to the stable where christ was born at bethlehem five hundred years before that it was the guiding belief of cyrus the great of persia when jerusalem was taken by nebuchadnezzar zoroaster was a boy of twelve he lived in northern persia and the old persian writings chronicle many miracles of his birth and life after a period of preparation he received at thirty a spiritual revelation of the one god and came forth to reform the ancient creed of persia he was tempted again and again by the spirit of darkness but always came off triumphant his teachings spread all over persia where they were supreme until the mohammedans suppressed them by persecution a white-haired silver-bearded old parsee here at bombay tells me that one of the chief elements of zoroastrianism is a conviction that the soul is immortal and that all human beings are free moral agents and therefore responsible the parsees believe in rewards and punishments and that in this life we settle our future existence as to the parsee god he is called the doer the creator and the governor of the world he is the emblem of light and for this reason when the parsee worships he stands before the sacred flame or turns his face to the sun as the symbol of the almighty we have often heard the parsees called worshippers of fire in a sense this is correct for they have fire always burning in their temples but they worship it as one of them told me only as an emblem of the sun the source of all life and hence the visible representation of god the fire in the temples at bombay is said to have been kept alive for hundreds of years the hallowed flame was brought from the altars of persia where it was first lighted centuries before the mohammedans conquered that country with it the parsees kindled their altars at Senhan and later still they brought it with them to bombay strangers are not permitted to see this fire 
the parsees regard their worship as too sacred to be viewed by outsiders and they make no display of gorgeous churches or elaborate ceremonies in some of their new temples they have started the fires by coals from a tree or buildings struck by lightning and have fed them with chips and dust of sandalwood i understand that they will not spit in a fire or blow out a light for a long time many of them would not smoke tobacco and some of the most orthodox have refused to serve in the fire department not wishing to sin by putting out fires this worship of fire is by no means original with the parsees our own ancestors of the long ago were worshippers of fire as representing the lightning and the sun the hindus had a fire god called agni and bowed down to it as a means of purification sacred fire is a feature of many of their domestic rites today and at their weddings the bride and groom walk around a fire lighted by a priest the grand mogul akbar made his own holy flame by igniting a piece of cotton by the rays of the sun shining through a crystal lens and all the fires of his household were started in that way the parsee method of disposing of their dead is an outgrowth of their reverence for fire fire is too consecrated to be defiled with the corpse by the tenets of zoroaster not only fire but earth and water also must never be thus polluted so the parsees lay the bodies of their dead on towers out under the sky and the vultures pick them to the bone malabar hill where the towers of silence stand rises almost straight up from the sea the place of the dead is covered with a beautiful garden and you walk up to it over well-paved roads shaded by tropical trees and bordered with flowers and shrubs winding through this luxuriant vegetation you reach at last a point from whence you can see far out over the arabian sea and turning landward can view the whole of bombay here among the trees at one side shut off by an iron railing so that none but the priests may enter are five circular towers as white as the bones that lie on their tops each tower is about twenty-five feet in height and ninety feet in diameter it is crowned with a grating which slopes toward the center where there is a well connected by drains with the sea a small tower is reserved for the bodies of suicides in each tower there are certain divisions for the different classes of the dead one section is devoted to the bodies of men another to those of women and a third the part nearest the well to the corpse of children the bodies are carried into the towers by two bearded men dressed all in white and known as the carriers of the dead at every funeral they take their remains and entering the tower walk up a flight of steps and place the naked corpse in its proper section after the flesh has been devoured by the birds which do their gruesome work in less than an hour the skeleton is left to bleach in the hot sun when the bones are dry the carriers of the dead take tongs and throw them into the well where they are left to crumble to dust these towers are well drained the heavy rains of the tropics fall upon them but the water goes off into the sea and there are filters below them filled with charcoal so that all is kept clean indeed the bone dust accumulates so slowly that it has taken forty years to cover the bottom to a depth of five feet there is absolutely no bad odor about this strange cemetery 
i shall never forget my visit to the towers of silence none but the parsees are supposed to go close to them and it was through a parsee of high rank that i gained admittance to the enclosure with one of the sextons i made my way about through the paths of a park comprising perhaps sixty acres of trees and flowers i was shown the parsee temple and then taken to a place where i could get a view of the towers each seemed to me a huge cylinder of white with a frieze or coping of big black birds as i watched the birds sprang into life they raised their heads and craned their necks and i thought they must imagine us corpse bearers a moment later a funeral made its way up the hill and i saw that the vultures were gazing at it in front came the two carriers of the dead bearing upon their shoulders the body of a baby which was clad in white the carriers had their faces covered and behind them came mourners in white clothing all parsees walked to their funerals which are the same for every class and condition naked we came into the world and naked we must depart from it said my old parsee guide the bones of us all go into these reservoirs and the flesh of rich and poor feed the same vultures as the procession drew near the birds grew excited they flapped their wings and flew from one side of the tower to the other because of the slope of the grating i could not see the little body as it was stripped and laid in its place such sights are visible only to the carriers but i could tell when it was exposed by the flapping of the wings of the vultures as they hurried over to the tower the sight was a horrible one but after all is this so much worse than our way of disposing of the dead there is a movement among the more advanced of the parsees to give up this practice which has prevailed among them for centuries they do not regard applied electricity as fire and i understand that at least some of them have been negotiating with an american company for the purchase of an electric crematory i am sure such an invention will be viewed with horror by the strictest of the parsees the parsee sect is managed by a panchayat or council of elders which controls more property than trinity church in new york it has charge of all the church funds amounting to more than two million dollars and real estate holdings of great value the parsees are conservative and want to keep out of the fold converts not of pure parsee blood for example the french wife of a member of a millionaire parsee family became converted to her husband's religion and was received into the membership thereupon the bigots of the faith objected and the trustees of the punchiat decided that converts might not worship in the parsee temples or be laid in the towers of silence to have their flesh torn from their bodies by the vultures the french lady stood upon her rights bringing suit in the courts of bombay to enforce them the judges decided in her favor and converts now come into the church under certain restrictions one of the justices suggested that the outsiders might have separate temples and towers and another protested that the verdict might open the church to undesirables and ruin the prosperity of the parsee community there are only a little more than a hundred thousand of the parsees but they are a rich and powerful class four-fifths of them are in the bombay presidency while the rest are scattered throughout india their combined wealth aggregates untold millions 
They are the financial kings of India and have to be considered in every big business undertaking in the country. They are noted for both their integrity and their progressiveness. And just now, when India is stirred up by the nationalists, the fact that they stand by the government is of immense importance to Great Britain. The Parsis are well educated, and many of them are graduates of colleges and universities. They maintain large schools for boys and girls at Bombay and other places in Hindustan for the education, not only of their own children, but of those of other creeds if they care to attend. One of the finest institutions in India is the Science Institute at Bangalore in the native state of Mysore, which was founded by a wealthy Parsee to provide scientific training for young people. Charity appears to be the very essence of the Parsee religion. From one end to the other, India swarms with beggars, but not one of the mendicants is a Parsee. The whole sect would consider itself disgraced if one of their number should be reduced to begging. They give largely to public enterprises and have spent millions on institutions for their own people. For instance, when one of the families of Wadius died, his bequests for the amelioration of the condition of the poor and the promotion of education among the Parsees amounted to more than $5 million. I drove today past the Jamsetji Gigiboy Institute, founded 75 years ago by a Parsee of that name. He began life as a poor boy and died worth $10 million, a great part of which went to charity. He gave $5 million to hospitals, colleges, and rest houses, and about 100000 to the school. The government of India took charge of the gift and agreed to pay 6% upon it as a loan. Since then, other Parsees have added to the endowment, and the capital of the institute is many times as large as when it was opened. The Parsees of Bombay are building sanitary houses for the poor of their communities, from which they expect only enough rent to get 4% on their investment. Such charities are not confined to the men. Rich Parsee widows have made gifts that compare with those of Mrs. Russell Sage, and there are Parsee women whose generosity ranks with that of Helen Gould Shepherd. For example, one of the women of the Petit family gave jewelry valued at nearly half a million dollars to found a girl's orphanage. One of the Parsee givers of the past, whom we might compare with certain of our millionaire widows, was Motley Bai Wadia, who gave away a million and a half dollars in public charities, and almost two millions in private alms, and who built Bombay's first hospital for native women. Notwithstanding these gifts, she left a big fortune to her descendants. The Parsees are much Europeanized and mingle with the British and the Society of Bombay. Their women are not and have never been secluded, but go about just as freely as do our Western wives and daughters, and have quite as dignified a position in their homes. End of chapter 29